This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Yeah, no exception this week, that's for sure. We're going to catch up with NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Davis, talk about the start of the season, social justice. We know that's a topic that he's been interested in because he's been a guest of ours before. And the top story of the week, guys, really is the top of our conversation with Terrell Davis, and that is the NFL's back. They are playing games. Uh, Surprise, Lynchy. I'm not surprised uh, because I think they had a long, long time. They were the one sport that was unaffected yeah. strictly because of the calendar where when the pandemic started here in early March. And the, it was in the middle of the NBA and the NHL season. It was in the middle of spring training for baseball. Those three leagues had to scramble. And the NFL had the luxury of time to plan this thing out with testing. And so far, uh, going into uh, weekend number one, only one player tested positive in the last round of tests. Bar, how excited are you? Oh, my goodness, I'm totally <laughs> excited. I've been waiting for this. I got my fantasy pools all set. My survivor pools are going. Uh, this is what I wait for in sports. Outside of auto racing, this is it. This is what I wait for. And uh, I know a lot of people who play fantasy sports are also excited. Yeah, well, the big money issues in the world of sports, they're none bigger, I should say, uh, than the NFL. Also big money in college sports, and a couple of the big conferences sticking with their decision, at least for now. The Big Ten and the Pac-12, they've said they're not playing, despite a lot of pressure, political pressure, and economic pressure. Lynchy, I I think this was the right thing to do, but, man, tough to uh, stand by that decision, it feels like, amid all this pressure. You know, especially if things work out for the ACC and the SEC and the Pac-12, and they're sitting on the sidelines passing up $55 million per school for the whole year in the Big Ten, and it works for them, and they say, geez, we could have, should have. There's no worse contractions to mutter in life, as we know, is could have, should have, and would have. And, and, and I, I hope they don't have to mutter those. Uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a challenge. I think you know, now that the students are all back in school, I don't worry so much about the, the, the football players. I worry about the students infecting mm-hmm. the football players. Um, and that's something that I think that every school is just fearful of right now. So we can't talk about this weekend sports without talking about the drama and the controversy at the U.S. Open. No fans there, but... Novak Djokovic getting defaulted, to use the technical term, from his match, hitting a line judge. A lot of economics for him lost. The money that he would have earned, a fine being levied on him, not getting the points for his progress in the tournament so far. Felt like the right decision to me, Lynchy, but it was tough to watch, I have to say. 
It was. Uh, I actually saw it on a big screen outdoors. They had it at, at a tennis court, and I and someone and I wasn't paying attention. And I turned around. And I said, "Oh my goodness, did he hit her in the throat?" And it, having done some homework afterwards, like we all have, reading about the rules, the rules are clear. Uh, what I was disappointed in is that he, he did, made his apology via an, an Instagram. Yeah. And you know, I think it just would have been more genuine to sit in, sit in front of a microphone on on some video and just blast it out to the world. Uh, you know, not only because it's the right thing to do. But, you know, um, how many young people out there that, that, that look up to this guy? And, you know, if he can throw a temper tantrum and just get away with an Instagram, I know he got disqualified. You know, I think that he, he should have, uh, you know, manned up, as they say. Bar, what'd you make of it? Well, they didn't have a choice. They had to, to DQ him. And, and and he was also fine. And like you were saying, he skipped the, the news conference. He also So he also got fined for that. Yeah, and and but what really bugged me more than anything else, and and I do give uh, Djokovic credit uh, for saying this, fans of of Novak were getting on the line, Judge, and and she didn't do anything. No, and 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 they were criticizing her and all this, and 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 here's her name and this and that, whatever. I'm like, come on, what? Yeah. Stop! Don't act like an animal here. I mean, she didn't do anything wrong, so at least give Djokovic some credit for stepping up and saying, "Fans, knock it off." Yeah, maybe time for a new generation to sort of come up into the world, especially yeah. of men's tennis. Up next on the show, we speak with the ex-running back for the Denver Broncos, Terrell Davis. That's straight ahead on Bloomberg Business of Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. And follow me, Jason Kelly, at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every week at this time. And catch our Apple podcast that drops on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We're here each and every week for you at the same time talking to the biggest names in sports. I'm Jason Kelly along with Mike Lynch and Michael Barr. Today we're so excited to have back with us Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. He has been so successful in his post-NFL career as well. He was nice enough to join us back in June. And, man, the world has changed. And, TD, I have to start by asking you, we're going to have some football. Are you surprised? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised, uh, just because I know who we're dealing with, you know, the national football league is, it's huge. Right. And they are, um, you know, when, when they put their minds to doing something, um, it, it would take a whole lot for the season to not have gone forward. But I think, uh, I think what really benefited the NFL number one was that they had time, right. Mm-hmm. You know, we, the COVID came out in really, I guess, March, and the Super Bowl was in February, so they had some time and to watch other leagues and watch, you know, uh, the other countries to see how people were dealing with this pandemic. And so they 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 were able to sit back and watch it and plan accordingly. And so I am not surprised that uh, Week One uh, the schedule is uh, is set, and you know they did cancel some preseason games, so that was uh, not a bit of a shocker, but. Uh, that was kind of the compromise I think they made to make sure that they were doing the right thing. And so I'm just excited, man. We get, we get, to, get, to, we get to finally see some real games this weekend and uh, not have to watch old re-airs all day of old Super Bowls and stuff like that. So it's real football time. 
Yeah, because the uh, the reruns of Joe Namath, well, they only go so far. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Let me ask a question now. Uh, because the, the preseason is canceled, and, and there's been mixed reviews from the players about it, uh, does it help or hinder a team not having preseason? That's, it's really a good question. Um, and it really, to me, it, it's individualized. I know for me as a player, I needed the preseason. I needed that ramp-up time to get my body right and to get my mind right on the season. And there's players, you know, different players. Like LaDainian Tomlinson never played in the preseason. I think Adrian Peterson for many years never played in the preseason. And those guys were fine. I just couldn't do it that way. I had to get all the practice I can get and get ramped up. I will tell you, though, who it hurts. It hurts the young players – who are trying to make the team, who are trying to make the team. And so they didn't have the the opportunities like, like you know, a normal rookie would have or a second-year player uh, because all those reps were going to first-team guys, second-team guys, and then they didn't have a game to go out there to show the coaches that they could perform. So that was unfortunate for a lot of younger players. I think the old veterans, they were ecstatic that they didn't have preseason games, man. Like, my body's beat up. This is sweet. No games. Uh, getting ready just to go through this long season. But, yeah, I think from uh, individual players, I think it's different. And then from the coaching staff, I know it's, they, they're struggling because they don't have any tape. They don't have any film to watch other teams. They really uh, find it difficult to evaluate talent. You know, practice, there's some guys who look really good in practice, but you put them in a game mm-hmm. and they struggle. Um, so how do you find out if these guys are gamers? Um, they don't know. And so they have to go off whether they go back to college film or just try to figure it out. You know, how do we how do we get this guy to perform when the lights are on? And so now they'll, they'll be able to finally see that, but it's going to be live. And that's the, that's the difficult challenge that the coaches have. Terrell, it's Mike up in Boston. Let me ask you this. Most of the stadiums will not have any fans at all. Uh, Does this take pressure off of a player? Is it less motivation? Is there less adrenaline rushing through your body? I mean, you had the mile-high salute. You'd salute a whole end zone worth of of Denver fans. Now there's, you know, if you score a touchdown, you'll be saluting a bunch of empty seats. Does it make a difference at all? Um. I, I don't know. I've never played in pro games. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like know. a scrimmage almost, right? Yeah, it's like a scrimmage. But um, I guess most players uh, look at it like this. And I've spoken to some players. At one point, we've all played either high – you know, we played high school pop Warner. We played where there were no fans. I mean, it was – my high school didn't have a bunch of fans. And it never impacted how I went out there and played. Um, I went to Long Beach State before I went to Georgia. And if you guys know anything about Long Beach State, our football program was one of the worst programs in the country. And we didn't have a bunch of fans at the games. So the mentality that I always had was it didn't matter who was in the stands and where we played. Once I hit the field, I was locked into the game itself. And I imagine most players feel that way. Now, some, now yeah, it is kind of cool before the game starts or the kickoffs and you get the fans up and now you get that adrenaline and – you know, get that energy that you use to run out on kicks or whatever, that won't be there. But it shouldn't it shouldn't affect how you perform. It just it shouldn't. I know, you know, we watch the NBA and they're playing. They don't have fans there, but that game is intense, man. Those guys are playing basketball, right? Like it's 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 like it, 
they are in an arena that is packed, and it, it hasn't influenced the game whatsoever. I imagine the same thing for football. A little weird at first, but I think these players are getting used to it. Well, as a longtime Atlantan who's been to uh, Athens, Georgia, and Sanford Stadium a number of times, I can only imagine what that transition was the first time you played uh, between the hedges there, TD. Oh, my God. It was it was crazy. It, it was insane. <laughs> like, like I said, Long Beach State, we had uh, a stadium, uh, the vet, vet stadium, and it was uh, half bleachers on one side. And it's about 5,000 seats. Not even seats. There's benches, right? So it's probably capacity 5,000. And we couldn't even pack that little thing. Yeah. So I go from that stadium to Sanford Stadium, which is over 90-something thousand fans, packed, sea of red, screaming, yelling. I mean, it, it, Barking, it, it was barking. So <laughs> barking. Oh, yeah, you know how it is, man. Uh, it was great. It was good energy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, stay tuned for more of our conversation with NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. That's straight ahead on Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Jason Kelly on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. And I'm Michael Barr on Twitter. You can follow me at Big Bar Sports and download the show to hear even more of this interview, our extended version. Catch that wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us. We're here each and every week for you at the same time talking to the biggest names in sports. I'm Jason Kelly along with Mike Lynch and Michael Barr. Let's get back to our conversation with NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. So, TD, in the midst of this pandemic and this lockdown you've been very busy tell us about what's going on in the world of business how you have sort of coped and and at the same time sort of taken advantage of what's going on uh in the world from a business perspective yeah well i mean you know obviously when i retired you 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 get not forced but you you know you kind of get into the uh the entrepreneurial spirit and start to uh you know, get get more involved into business endeavors, and I've I've dabbled with a whole lot of uh, business opportunities, hotels to, uh, you know, uh, apartment buildings to fun parks, all all kinds of stuff. But the latest venture that I've uh, I've dabbled in is the CBD business, and we started a company called Defy over two years ago, and Defy is a health and wellness brand that specializes in. CBD products and our flagship products that we just came out with actually about a year ago uh, is our performance drink. And it's a uh, performance drink that really helps you with recovery, helps you work out, maintain, uh, and really just kind of makes your body feel uh, a lot better and try to get the the most out of your body where you can just empty everything but allows you to recover faster. Uh, That has properties in there that allows you to deal with pain management and inflammation, and um, it's been really great. We have three, three uh, flavors. We have a, a lemonade, a orange mango, and a mixed berry. And so we've been uh, promoting that product the last year or so. And people say, well, how did you get involved in that? Well, to me, it was actually um, kind of uh, serendipitous in how it happened. Was I wasn't looking to get into the CBD business. I was actually looking for something that would help my body feel better. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking for a number of years to um, – have something that can deal with pain management, inflammation, but I never wanted to try to get anything that was, you know, that was uh, too potent, uh, things that had side effects, and I just couldn't find anything. And I've tried all kinds of stuff, and nothing really worked. And uh, when I was doing some research, um, actually our CEO of a company, Bo Worley, uh, actually uh, educated me on some stuff, and uh, I guess about CBD. 
And so we went through this process of looking at it. And after I did my homework and, and felt comfortable trying it, um, it, it was, it, I was like, wow, this stuff is amazing. I, I immediately started to feel better. And so the opportunity after I tried it, um, we kind of had this idea of, listen, man, if, if I didn't know anything about CBD and how it helps with pain management and, and, and inflammation and a host of other benefits, then there's millions of people out there who don't know about this. And so the opportunity was, all right, well, if we can maybe take, get this product, make it better, uh, do our research, uh, have a science back and, and built and make the best gold standard product out there, there's a chance that we were able to be able to promote this, uh, share this, and, and have millions of people, uh, you know, not only try but be able to improve their lives. And that's what it was all about. Mm-hmm. So we started on that, on that journey uh, over three years ago, and it's been phenomenal. It's been amazing. And so the feedback that we've gotten from our product and uh, the amount of stories that we hear from people who have experienced uh, a better lifestyle, they just feel like they, they're walking better. Uh, I've, I've personally lost over 25 pounds um, just because I was able to work out more often, you know. And the only reason I was able to work out more often was because I was taking our products. And right. if I didn't take the product, I, I would be struggling to just work out day after day. So it's really been eye open. It's been great for us, and uh, we are we're pretty excited about it. And it, I notice a lot of athletes are involved in the CBD business, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm about to you know hear a lot of guffaws. It's like, yes, I used to bowl a lot, and I was I was pretty good, and then I blew my knees out, <laughs> and now so I'm I'm talking wait, to a wait, pro it, football wait, wait. player. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, you blew your knees out bowling. I did. I I did. I stuck at the line one day. I heard that correctly. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) And and, and I know people are driving off the road laughing. It's like, dude, you're talking to a pro, ex pro football player, and you're talking about bowling, man. Come on. I think this could be my favorite moment of the show ever, but (laughs) let's keep going. TD, you are. I liked you before. I love you now. You are the best. I always had this image of Detroit guys being these tough, hard-nosed guys. Bowling? Are you serious? Bowling? I, I stuck at the wow. line one time, and and it was like you know, and everybody said you all right. He's like, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm crying on the side. So now that I've made a total fool of myself, I bring up this question. A lot of pro football players and a lot of uh, uh, pro basketball players and and baseball on down the line believe in the the product, which brings me to the the question of the punishment you guys take when you guys are out there on the field, men and women for that matter. It doesn't make a difference whether it's soccer or, or whatever. Can you take us through the punishment of what a, a pro athlete goes through, especially football players, because it's contact among contacts for sports? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it, it's, it is brutal. Um, but we know what we are going, you know, we're, we're about to go through. So that's why we train as hard as we train. We try to prepare our bodies uh, to withstand the punishment, and so there's a lot of obviously weightlifting. There's uh, lots of you know stretching, and you have biomechanics and masseuses, and I mean you have all kinds of stuff, um, you know, to allow you to not only perform but 
have the ability to bounce back. And that's that's one of the qualities of of an athlete who is consistent is that they have to be able to, to exhaust their bodies to a point where they've emptied the tank. But you can't do it one game, can't do it one match. You've got to be able to bounce back the day after. So that's where CBD comes into uh, into the fold. And when I was playing, uh, there was a lot of players who were smoking marijuana. And I didn't understand because I felt like, why are you guys, you know, doing this stuff? Because you're jeopardizing your career. And, you know, it, you guys are just doing it because it's just some leisure stuff. That's, that was my mentality. And I never, I had never smoked and never been around the stuff. But clearly, uh, and I, no one now in the research and talking to some of the players, they were, they were basically uh, medicating, self-medicating with marijuana. And the first thing is like, uh, insomnia, where they couldn't sleep. Uh, they were uh, using, uh, you know, marijuana on sleep, but it was CBD that was helping with, uh, you know, their, they might have uh, jitters and just be nervous or might have pain management or inflammation. So those things were actually helping. So as an athlete, we're always looking for something. We're always searching for things that we can use to make our bodies feel better because that is, that's all we have. You know, when you're an athlete, your body is your, that's your machine, and you need your body to feel great. And if you feel great, chances are you're going to perform. Uh, they just go hand in hand. And that's when the doctors ask you, you know, if you if you go out to a football field before the game, you'll see a doctor or, or players who are injured, who are coming off an injury, and they're running around. And so they walk back to the doctor, and the doctor always goes through this little test. He asks you, well, how do you feel? Well, if you say I feel great, then, okay, you're clear to play. And right. so that's, to me, it's all about how do you feel. And it was very important for me after retiring to feel better. Because the last, since I retired, I've been feeling like crap. I, honestly, guys, I've been feeling like crap. And I felt like my body was going to feel that way for the rest of my life. I thought that was my new normal. Well, things turned around quickly when I discovered CBD and started using it. And like, wow, that wasn't the new normal. Now this is the new normal. I can feel great again. So it's been great. Athletes do put them uh, put their bodies through a tremendous amount of stress. But um, the counter is, is how do you take care of your body? Are you eating right with your diet? Are you resting? Um, and so those things are important to recovering and to performing. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, Terrell. Um, and this doesn't apply to uh, anyone who's played in the National Football League or gone through a grueling season of bowling like Michael Barr has. <laughs> <laughs> But, but I think everybody, and anyone who's never even laced up a pair of sneakers can, can probably identify with migraines. And I notice here that Defy helps your migraines. And I know everybody that has migraines has tried 99 different solutions and, and remedies. And this actually works for you. How? Yeah, I, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up. Because this, this is what I did not expect. It was, it was really something that um, it surprised me big time. So if you have migraines, and I've had migraines since I was nine years old, there's really two ways you can treat a migraine. It's one, you use something as a preventative, right? Whether it's, um, I use a nasal spray, it's either some pill or it's a shot. It's something that you can do that can actually prevent the migraine from happening. Um, for me, again, I had the nasal spray. But once, you know, you have a, you have a breakthrough or if it doesn't work, and typically there's nothing up to 100%. So when I was playing football, I'd have a migraine every once in a while, breakthrough, and you guys probably know in Super Bowl 32, I had a migraine. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So once you have an, a migraine, now you need something that aborts the migraine, that either shortens the cycle or it stops it completely. I have never found anything that actually stops it completely. I've had some things that would help uh, shorten the migraine. So let me get back to how CBD helps. So one of the things that I was taking as a preventative was an anti-inflammatory called naproxen. And so I would take this pill two times a day. And I would take this whether I practiced or not. That was my, my, my regimen. I had to take this pill as a um, preventative. And I took this, I've been taking this pill since um, college. The problem with taking this pill is that, as you know, it's just not good for your, your liver. And stuff. It's just not good for you to be taking a pill like that every day, especially uh, anti-inflammatory. So with the CBD um, having anti-inflammatory properties, I didn't, I didn't even put the two together. But as I started doing more research, I, I found an article talking about CBD and migraines. And I was like, wow, that's interesting how uh, this article was talking about how it helped with migraines. So what I did was two years ago, I said, well, let me, let me just try it because I've been trying to get off this pill for a long time. Let me just do a, do a little uh, experiment here. I'm not going to take my, my migraine medication, and I'm going to continue to use my CBD and see what happens. That, that's been over two years ago. I've had one migraine since, and it wasn't even a full-blown migraine. It just it wasn't. It was uh, one that uh, went through. I had the visual problems where I have an aura where I can't see. Um, but once the visual the vision cleared back up, typically I'll have a pounding headache that will last for hours, and I'll have nausea and vomiting. Then they will always be the same. Well, the last time I had a migraine, I had the vision, and then when my vision cleared up, I had no headache. I had no nausea, no vomiting, no nothing. And so that's been, again, over two years, and I've been migraine-free, basically. Um, so it, it certainly works as a preventative, um, as, as I certainly know that. Now, once they come, again, that's a different story. That's, that some other medication probably can work. But I, don't have, I haven't heard or found that this works for something once you have one. But certainly as a preventative, uh, in my case, where I was taking anti-inflammatory, it works. All right. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. That's straight ahead on Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Jason Kelly on Twitter and bowling injury free at Jason Kelly News. (laughs) I am never going to a bowling alley again. I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. Oh, man, I'm retiring to the chess team now. Uh, <laughs> I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. Y'all are never going to forget that bonus story. Nope. And download the show to hear even more of this interview, our extended version. Catch that wherever you get your podcast. So thanks so much for joining us. We're here each and every week for you at the same time talking to the biggest names in sports. I'm Jason Kelly along with Mike Lynch and Michael Barr. Let's continue our conversation with NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. And T.D., I want to ask you about another thing that's been going on in front of our faces for the past three months. And really, since we talked to you back in June, conversations have only accelerated and gotten more serious around issues of social justice. And I will tell you, and I I recommend uh, the conversation that we had with you back then, because it was really... uh, enlightening to me. I've thought about it a lot, thought about your personal experience when it comes to racial injustice and a lot of the observations. Uh, you were you were really honest and, and, and at times raw with us, and, and it really meant a lot. So I want to thank you for that initially. 
and I want to ask you now today, as we're talking in September of 2020, what you've seen since then, because there have been so many conversations, at least, around systemic inequality, systemic racism in sports, in society, and beyond. What have you seen and what have you felt over the last couple months as this really has come to the fore? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's in one breath, I can say I've seen some, I guess we've got some progress. Uh, I guess you can, you can call it that. Um, I've seen the, uh, the, the awareness of it being much broader now. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you look at the sports leagues uh, around the world, really, and you see the uh, impact that it's having on, on sports where players are coming out and advocating for uh, equality and social justice. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it's really been, it's been good, but it's also been a reminder that we have so far to go. And the conversations that, that have been had is that people look at some of these isolated incidences in their minds. Like you look at, you know, the George Floyd stuff and Jacob Blake, and you look at these things and, and people just look at them like, oh, that's just a guy, you know, that cops put over. Yeah, and they shot him. And But we've been this, – this has been going on for – for hundreds of years mm-hmm. like this this has been something that's been in, in a black community for for years uh, ever since we, we we've come here we've never had a, a level playing field we've always been treated as second-class citizens we've always been relegated to that the role and it's bigger than just law enforcement and the relationship with the black community it's in it's ingrained in our society and everything that uh, that happens and what i mean by that is there's things that are intended, right? You might have some people who, what they call unconscious bias. They, yeah. They're not thinking about it, but they don't, they don't participate in uh, having a, you know, a, 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 let's say a, a, their job or they, their business. They don't look at it and say, okay, do we have diversity in our business? Like they don't, they're not consciously looking for that. So you might go to some of these, uh, let's say uh, a seminar. You know, I go to a lot of seminars. I do a lot of, you know, talking and uh, appearances. And when I go to these seminars, I see a lot of these corporations. And I go and, and I go speak. And I'm in a room. And it's like 2,000, 3,000 people. And you might see five black people in a room. And it's like, okay, so why is that the case? Why are there only five black people in all these, like, upper management positions? And, you know, maybe they're not consciously, consciously um making that decision but that's what we're talking about we're talking about just on every playing field you know like making sure that there's diversity making sure there's opportunities for for blacks that um that typically would you know wouldn't come our way uh, and again we're not asking for any handouts but we're just asking for everything to be fair uh look at some of the um practices that are being employed uh deployed in our communities where we're paying higher interest rates on everything, you know, where we don't have conventional banking, we got to go check asking places. Uh, there's not enough, you know, funds for education. You know, I went to Lincoln High School when I went to Lincoln in San Diego. Um, you know, it's a, it's not a very, you know, doesn't have a lot of resources. So we're already coming, already coming out as, as, at a disadvantage uh, from some of these North County schools in San Diego who are, 
you know, being funded by whether it's the property taxes and all, and, and or maybe it's private funding. But it's just it's just so much, and it's kind of like when I'm watching TV or reading stuff or just kind of hearing the news and in the middle of all this, you know, I start thinking, wow, this this it's a huge mountain to climb. Like, how do you how do you reverse? How do you un, untangle? untangle, you know, hundreds of years of things that have been done to to the black community and try to do it overnight. And you can't. You can't. So you have to kind of start with the process of, all right, let's go vote. Let's go change legislation. Let's, let's start doing all these things. But it's, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to un- unwind um, a lot of things that have been done and laws that have been instituted um, to try to, you know, keep black people down, period. I mean, that's just what it was. You know, when you have back in the, you know, probably early 60s or, you know, when they had the civil rights movement, even before that, where you, you start talking about things that were supposed to be um, intended to, you know, to incarcerate millions of, of blacks, um, you know, just by some of the laws that were, were um, you know, that that come out. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. Uh, this conversation probably needs to be about five hours. Yeah, <laughs> to really totally. Dig, you know, dig deep into it. Um, but I will say that I am proud of our young men, whether it's, you know, the NBA, NFL, I mean, look at Major League Baseball, hockey. And what I'm really proud of is to see a lot of our white uh, players speaking out. And yeah. that that really makes me happy because this is not about a black or white thing. It should, well, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about a human thing. It should be about just humans should be treated equally. We should have the same opportunities. We should come from the same uh, background. We should be able to, to to coexist like a locker room, which is which is to me one of the best examples of how to coexist. We may not agree on a lot of things, but we don't judge each other based off our, our the skin of our you know skin of our color our color of our skin. And um, that's just how I, I think this country needs to be. There's another major issue out there, and uh, which is why a lot of stadiums are going to be empty uh, this season, uh, simply because of COVID. And uh, just did a story uh, about the uh, NFL doctor, uh, Dr. Sills, and he talked about the virtual bubble. Now, in the NBA, they have the actual bubble, and NHL, the virtual bubble for the NFL, uh, the players have to adhere to it, and that's what he's saying. In order for this to work, basically, everybody has to be on their best behavior. Uh, if I can get your thoughts on that, well, I think I think it can work. Like I said, when you look at, uh, of course, the NBA has got the best possible scenario. They got all the players in this bubble. Um, but Major League Baseball, they're not in a bubble. And they've had some issues early on, but it seems like they've gotten a hold of it and they're, they've been able to, to, you know, keep things pretty tightly uh, wrapped and they're continuing to play. So that's promising to see how Major League Baseball is dealing with it. The NFL is different, and I think they'll be able to do it as well as the NBA. And the reason is when – Football players travel. They only travel the day before the game, and then they go to that city, 
they play the game, and then they, they're on an airplane back to their city. So the exposure and, you know, to me, uh, being able to do it that way is, is different than if they're Major League Baseball. They travel to a city, they typically stay there a few days, and so players are going out and doing what they're doing. So they, they probably have more opportunity to, uh, to make bad choices, if, if that is. And I can't even put everything on, on a bad choice. Like, you, know, you can do everything the right way but still end up getting it just because of the ways that you can, you can, you know, contract it. It's just, you know, you got to be really, really disciplined in terms of like washing your hands, using hand sanitizer, making sure you are away from people, covering your, your mouth up and all that stuff. So if you do all that, chances are you should be fine, but there's no hundred percent chance or way that you can not contract it. So I, I don't know. NFL has done great. They've been testing their players every day since training camp started, and their their numbers are extremely low. And they they feel confident with the way they're doing it. And uh, Dr. Seals, I know him very well. He's been fantastic. Uh, he's doing a great job of uh, instructing the NFL and being um, and being the leader and making sure that they're doing everything by the book and that they're able to have a safe environment for not only the players but the coaches, the refs the staff, the administration, everybody comes to a game, um, you know, the stadium uh, personnel, they're doing it. They're doing everything they can do. And, and, and then some, so listen, the football coming back and I, I have no reason to, to believe that there will be any disruption or any um, stoppage of a game at, at this point, unless something comes up where you have one team that just has a, a rash of, uh, you know, positive tests, but I don't see that coming to be honest with you. Terrell, as, as a black man, are you happy with what the NFL has done uh, to uh, raise awareness? I know in the end zones they're going to have uh, slogans, it takes all of us, and racism. There will be decals on helmets and caps. Uh, every facility is going to be shut down on Election Day. And, and I know uh, actions speak louder than words, but you know Roger Goodell admitted that he, uh, uh, he was wrong because he didn't listen early enough and he wants to be part of the change. Are, are you satisfied with the steps they've taken so far? No, I mean, I'd never, never satisfied. I mean, we, we, you can't be satisfied until, you know, we wake up one day and, it, and not only with all the slogans and the, and the stickers and all that stuff, and that's all great. And I'm not knocking any of that. But for this to actually change, actually change, yes. I mean, it may, we may not see the change in my lifetime because I think it's that deep of an issue. Now we can see some progress. We can see some things changing, uh, which is which is great. But um, I wouldn't use the word satisfied at all. I would I would use the word that I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. I'm encouraged to see the um, the heightened uh, awareness that the NFL is taking. That, like I said before, the other major sports leagues are taking, even non-sport uh, organizations. You see corporations now coming out with slogans and talking about you know how they back and support Black Lives Matter. So that those things are all encouraging. And but now the actions have to come behind that and you know the final result of what we're doing right now may not be felt and not it may not be in my lifetime. I certainly hope it's in my my children's lifetime that they'll able be able to experience uh, a world where they can they can drive around and and you know go somewhere and not be judged by the way they look. Um, you know so that's that's the goal, uh, but again, I don't know if I'm going to be able to feel that that uh, impact of what's happening right now. 
Terrell Davis, it's always such a treat to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Uh, we really uh, treasure the opportunity to revisit a lot of these issues with you. We know you're always thinking about them and working on them, and uh, we wish you only the best. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Mike, stop bowling, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be well. pleasure. Thank you Thank so you. much. Well, Terrell Davis, that guy does not disappoint, uh, gentlemen. And listen, he will forever have a place in my heart for calling you out, Michael Barr. That was just, as you said, it was great radio. I tell you what, that's one takeaway. I will never do that again. <laughs> but but, it, but the the setup to the question that I really liked was, and, and was talking about it, the experiences of what an athlete goes through, yeah, and why the CBD is is important to uh, ex football players and ex pro athletes, because it really does help them, and and that uh, to me is extremely beneficial. Well, obviously, I asked him the question uh, about the migraines, and you don't have to be uh, an all-pro football player or uh, an all-world bowler yeah. to uh, come up with some, some aches and pains. But, uh, you know, the people that are just sitting, uh, you know, in their office uh, that, that never get out of their chair and never lace up a pair of sneakers or cleats have migraines. Yeah. And this has worked uh, amazingly for them, this uh, this. Uh, the, defy um, drink yeah I mean I find him to be incredibly thoughtful and as I said during the course of the interview I mean I've thought back a lot because he was really one of the first pro athletes or ex-pro athletes we talked to after the killing of George Floyd and really got a sense of his own experience back then and I think the the notion of being encouraged but not satisfied is something that uh that I certainly take away from this interview. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. All right, Michael Barr, tee it up. All right, time for the number of the week. Time for me to redeem myself. The number. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so uh, you embarrass yourself today. I embarrass myself every week <laughs> with the number of the week. So just think about that. You might, you might, you guys might get this. Yeah. You guys might get this. It, mm. uh, but I'll tell you what the the cash number is: five point five billion dollars. Five point five billion dollars. Oh, I I think I know this one. Oh, I, okay. I this could be huge. This could be a really big day for me. Is this how much the new stadium in Los Angeles cost? Oh, ding, 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 ding. Boom. Ah. <laughs> I bet you owner. knew it too, didn't you, Lynchy? I was because I just saw it on Twitter. Thing. Yeah. I saw a picture of it, and they had a little caption underneath. And I said, where have I seen that 5.5? Yeah. And there yeah. we go. Rams right. owner Stan Kroenke. This is his, uh, yeah. his dream stadium. It's the most expensive uh, stadium in the world. Los Angeles Rams, by the way, playing there. For anybody who didn't know, and it more importantly, it's entirely privately financed. Yeah, uh. you know, I obviously haven't been in it, but uh, I went to Los Angeles a number of times while it was under construction, and you know, you can see it when you're flying in and flying out. And yeah. I mean, it is incredible. I mean, it is just—I've never seen anything like it in terms of the. The scope and, and really what seems like the, the complexity of it. So um, I just hope people get to you know like go and watch a game there. 
before. Yeah, apparently, they they made it now. One of the uh, updates is that you can walk from the parking lot almost directly into the fifth level of the arena. Now, of course, no fans are going to be there this right. you know for the weekend game. But uh, when the fans do come, I think they're going to like it. All right. Yeah. Well, and the Chargers play there as well, right? That's right. Yeah, the that's Chargers, right. Yes. Yeah, so good two, point. In fact, the, pa- the Patriots have back-to-back games this year uh, in Los Angeles where they play on, let's see, they play on Sunday, they play the Chargers, and then on Thursday night they play the Rams in that stadium. So they're just going to stay there for the five days. Hang out in L.A. Who wouldn't want to do yeah. that, especially yeah. coming from Boston? You've been listening to Bloomberg <laughs> Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time. Just get a little dig in on the weather there. Plus, online, wherever you get your podcast. Catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Jason Kelly. Find me on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. And I'm Mike Lynch. It's 80 degrees in Boston right now. You can follow <laughs> me at LynchyWCVB. And I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports, Bloomberg Radio, around the world.